when I study, I just just go ahead and start recording, Lauren, if you haven't done so, good. Um, when I study, I don't look at commentaries first. I just take the Bible and read it and reread it and reread it. And I started Monday looking at Revelation. I started back in chapter 7 that we covered last week up through chapter 12. And I'm going, you know, um, this is a little confusing for, for me and for most people what this all means. And, and uh, there has to be a little bit better understanding of how to put this together. And then I started studying yesterday uh, on this. I'm going, okay, now I see it. And so I'm going to hopefully share some things with you tonight that might challenge your thinking a little bit, uh, trying to even looking at the seals uh, to get across that uh, once the seals were, were opened by, by Christ on the scroll, Revelation 7, um, these things, as I mentioned last week, don't happen all at one time or when the seal is open. But they're, they're more about the general, uh, what's going to happen in the seven years of tribulation. So um, we'll get to that in a little bit. I gave you some charts on the back that are going to be very important tonight to understand as well. And that will, I think, define it for, for us a little bit better. Uh, how many of you like to listen to or study or read on prophecy? Just You do? Most of us do. Lane, go ahead. Okay. They're not detailed like you are. All right. I don't know how detailed I am compared to others. I'm just trying to lay this out. Basically, I do have a curriculum I'm using. It's a collegiate course. But uh, um, most people, I think, enjoy studying prophecy, reading about prophecy, listening to prophet, you know, uh, prophetic teachings and so. And just for illustration, one prophecy teacher says, that World War II was the second trumpet, that, w that war was in 1945. He also says that an angel blew the third trumpet in 1986, the third trumpet in Revelation 8.10. This verse tells us of a star named Wormwood. We'll cover that tonight. But the, the star fell to the earth, it poisoned rivers and turned them bitter, and many died from the bitter waters. Well, the teacher said that the angel blew the trumpet 41 years after the second trumpet, in that year, it was 1986, there was a great explosion in Chernobyl, Russia. Remember that? And uh, there they made nuclear weapons for war at the explosion. Dangerous dust, you recall, went into the air. Uh, and, and the wind carried the dust for miles in many directions. And, and rain carried the dust into the rivers and lakes. And thousands of people died because of the uh, breathing, the poisoned air. Others became sick from the poison water. Well, it's interesting, yeah, to compare the plagues that we're going to be covering starting tonight with the events in history. But what the example I just gave you, there's some big problems with that. For, for, for instance, according to Daniel 9, 24 through 27 that we covered three or four weeks ago, uh, the set, Daniel 77s, the seven, the, the seven years long, the tribulation is how long? Seven years, okay? Uh, if the tribulation not if, since the tribulation is seven years long, there cannot be 41 years between the second and the third trumpet, okay? Uh, second, the Antichrist reigns at the time of the trumpets. Uh, no human has been ruling the entire world from 1945 to present. So what I'm saying is I gave that illustration just to, to warn you maybe or to tell you to be careful, be cautious when studying or listening to uh, words on prophecy or end time events. Uh, a lot of things are being talked about right now, I know, out there. And so really be careful uh, when listening to or studying uh, prophetic teachers, I should say. 
because there are a lot of opinions out there. And even tonight as we get into this, I, I said at the beginning of this whole study, I don't know everything that's going to happen. You don't know everything that's going to happen. And, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a better understanding, a better idea. But uh, just be cautious just to line things up with God's Word and to keep things in perspective. That's why, honestly, I spent uh, almost a whole Wednesday talking about Daniel 9, 24-27 and looking at that as well. Um, but we're going to, uh, I think, tonight spend a few minutes talking about uh, trying to understand, if you will, the culture of others uh, because all the people in the world do not think the same way. Um, and I know that will be news to some of us, but uh, we, we kind of look at things a certain way in the Western mindset, in America especially, and uh, we expect the rest of the world to think like us, and the rest of the world does not think like us, all right? And really to understand Revelation, a, a person must practice thinking like the Apostle John thought. And we're going to cover that tonight as we begin because this will set things, I think, in motion for some of us to understand better the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. Uh, so looking at your outline, uh, the big picture, the seven trumpets, the two witnesses, Revelation 8, 9, 10, and 11. Uh, uh, we'll talk about, first of all, the relationship of the seals, trumpets, and bowls. And then we'll talk about the trumpets 1 through 6 tonight and then conclude uh, with, with kind of where we're going to, with all this. But first of all, point A underneath the relationship of the seals, trumpets, and bowls, Eastern Jewish thinking really differs from Western thinking. Now, those in the Western part of the world, such as America, we often think in a linear manner. Now, what I mean by that, if you look in the back of your paper, there is a chart at the top of that looking at the seven-year tribulation. It's figure 2-2. And it's an overview chart of the entire book of Revelation in a linear manner. Chapter 1, 2, 3, all the way through 22. The events that happened in kind of in a timeline, if you will. That's how we think. And so we, we look at that chart, and I want you to notice that the chapters start in the left. They, they continue along a line from left to right in, in an orderly manner. And, and many of us in the Western world like that kind of what I'll call linear thinking are thinking along a line. A common phrase, matter of fact, in the West is, I like that line of thought. You know, we, we think along a linear kind of a line. Uh, for most Europeans, time is linear. It's, a, it's like, a, like someone draws a line, a line on a page. It has a beginning. It has an end. For most in the West, time flows by a steady rate. It does not repeat itself. It can be measured. It can be planned. So we kind of like that kind of thinking. Uh, however, many in the eastern part of the world, such as Israel, appreciate, yeah, they appreciate some linear kind of thinking, but they also like what we call holistic thinking. That is, they like to look at the whole picture. And the holistic thinking is, is, is more complex, the more complex way of thinking than linear thinking is. Uh, holistic thinking is a type of thinking that relates the past to the present and the future. Holistic thinking does not travel along the straight line you see on figure 2-2. Uh, two, two. Um, it is more concerned really about an event than the time uh, the timeline of the event or when it occurs. Um, holistic thinking, therefore, does not travel along a straight line. 
it feels free to move backwards, forwards, up, down, kind of everywhere, trying to get the whole picture, all right? Those from the Eastern mindset uh, emphasize the relationship of the event to the big picture. They're really less concerned about the when the event begins and ends and are more concerned about the event itself. So you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, John, the writer of Revelation, was a Jew from the East. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write mostly in the way most people in the East actually think. At times, John moves ahead quickly to the eternal state. He does this to encourage the believers and the readers of future blessings. At other times, John refers to the past. He does this, once again, to explain why believers are persecuted. As we have seen, the past is very important to John. He refers to the Old Testament, you recall, over 300 times in this book. We covered that at the beginning of our study. Uh, uh, but John is not bound by space or by time. Uh, he moves freely back and forth from heaven to earth. In this way, he emphasizes the final victory of God over evil. But really, John's style of writing is good news for those who are from the East. But the way he goes back and forth and up and down and stuff sometimes confuses those from the West. That's why when I was reading this on, on Monday, I'm going, there has to be a better way because I knew from my previous studies that even with the seals, when the seals open doesn't mean that that's going to happen right then and then the next seals open and that event happens. That's not what we're talking about. And so I kind of was like looking for some way to better explain this and the, and the teaching tonight does that. So let me give you a few examples of the way John jumps back and forth and up and down. First of all, you recall that John gave a full description of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 1, 12 through 18. I actually read that during after worship Sunday morning. Then in Revelation 2 and 3, John jumps back and forth. Yes, he's writing the letters of Jesus to the churches, but as you recall, in every letter that John wrote, he wrote talking about what I called the character of Christ. We always come to each church. This is part of Christ. So John, even though he's writing kind of futuristic to the churches in that day and that age, he's jumping back to his vision of Christ. And he's giving us more detail of that. And so he kind of includes in, in chapters 2 and 3 what he witnessed in chapter 1 in, in his vision of Christ. And uh, so that was the first time uh, we see that. Uh, John encourages each church with a part of his earlier vision of Christ. And uh, you can see him junk, jumping back and forth then in the first illustration in, in the seven churches and his vision of Christ in chapter 1. A second example, in Revelation 2 and 3, he is writing to the churches on earth. But then suddenly in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, he's back in heaven. In Revelation 4 and 5, talking about the throne. So he's, in, he's on earth, but then he's talking about heaven the very next few chapters. So you see him jumping around as well. And it's a quick leap then from, from chapters 2 and 3 to chapter 4, from, from earth to heaven. The third example, the opening of the sixth seal in Revelation 6, 12 through 17, takes us all the way to the end of the tribulation. We covered that last week a little bit. We compared last week Revelation chapter 6, 12 through 17 with Matthew 24 and talked about the similarities there. 
And so really after the tribulation, the sun and the moon became dark. The stars fell from the sky. The heavenly bodies shake. Jesus returns. Therefore, even as early as Revelation chapter 6, John has already jumped to the end of the seventh week or the seven years of tribulation. Uh, example number three. Example number four in Revelation 6, 9 through 11 and 7, 9 through 17, he writes about the martyrs already in heaven. These are martyrs who were killed for their faith, but he does not tell us who killed them until Revelation 12, 13 through 17, and also chapter 13, 7, 8, and 15. Example number four. Example five. Uh, the vision of the pregnant woman clothed with the sun uh, includes the entire church age, Revelation chapter 12. We're not there yet, but we'll see the birth of Christ before the church ever existed. But then it goes forward in chapter 12 to the end of the tribulation, chapter 12, verse 14. So once again, John's jumping all over the place. That's what I want us to see. And so everything's not on a linear timeline like I like to have it, like you like to have it. I mean, I like start, I like finish, I like definition. You can't have that here. That's, what, that's my big point I'm trying to make, all right? And if we can get that, that will help. It helped me a lot. It'll help us to understand how John is writing in part of that Eastern mindset that will help us kind of hone in on what he's saying. The sixth example of the differences of John jumping around is we arrive at Armageddon in Revelation chapter 14. We leave it, we come back in chapter 16, but John describes the full battle in chapter 19. Once again, proving once again to us, starts here, talks about it here, talks about it here, and so he jumps around. Now, those are just some of the examples showing that John wrote from an Eastern point of view, and he was not bound by linear thinking. Rather, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, led him back and forth in the tribulation and up and down between heaven and earth. Now, why does he jump around so much, you ask? Well, the tribulation, as we're going to get into the trumpets tonight, the tribulation is a very dark and discouraging time. What we're going to see is, is, as I said last week, hell on earth. We're going to see things happening that will be very discouraging for a lot of people. And guess what? God likes some light in darkness. You, you don't believe that? Why did he put the stars in the sky at night? All right. I know in the city we don't see that, but you go out a little bit from the city, and I can tell you in Sholo at night, it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It's like Okay, why can't we enjoy this in the valley? Because there's too many lights around, all right? But, but out in there, I remember one time we were driving. This has been years ago. We were going to interview a person for the youth pastorate. We drove to Austin, Texas, and I got out middle of the night because we drove all night long, and it was like the most beautiful sky I've seen, just the stars, and it was like brilliant. It was just brilliant. It's like, who, who can deny there's a God in his creation? But that's their topic. All right. But anyway, so God does like some light. So I believe John jumps around because he gives some discouraging news, but then he gives encouraging news, you know, kind of thing. And therefore, the Holy Spirit inspires John to leave the darkness from time to time. He encourages us by jumping from the tribulation to, uh, to heaven several times in Revelation. And so those are some examples that I think will help us follow the, the Eastern holistic way of thinking more than the Western uh, linear kind of thinking. Point number A. Point B on the front of your outline, the seven seals, seven trumpets, and then the seven bowls. 
Um, <clears throat> let me get a little water here. You'll recall that John is writing about three groups of seven. We talked about the sevens early on in chapter one. Uh, but uh, three groups of seven, we have the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. Uh, the judgments become worse and worse. The seals are less severe than the trumpets, and the trumpets are less frightening than the bowls. Together, the seals, trumpets, and bowls stretch from Revelation 5 all the way through Revelation chapter 16. Now, to understand them, we must think of them once again from not the Western mindset, not on a linear timeline, but from an Eastern point of view. Therefore, on your, on your back of this, and this helped me a little bit too, there are two charts, 8-2 and 8-3, figure 8-2, figure 8-3. The one on the left is more of the Western mindset. We can see the seven seals, boom, chapters 5 and 6. We see the seven trumpets, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and, you know, and then 15 and 16 are then the seven bowls. That's kind of the Western mindset, and so we see that. It's more of a linear point of view. Uh, Revelation, as I said, is, is, is arranged in our Bibles from chapters 1 to 22. Therefore, we can see kind of the order by which they come in our way of thinking, and that is then figure 8-2. It shows the seals, the trumpets, the bowls in relation then to the chapters that we have in our Bibles. The chart answers linear questions. Which came first in Revelation? The seals or the bowls? Which chapters in Revelation discuss the seven seals? Those are linear questions. Also note that the seventh seal, as we noted before, introduces the trumpets. Likewise, the seventh trumpet introduces then the bowls. Those are linear insights. Then we switch to figure 8-3, which is more of an Eastern holistic point of view. Figure 8-3 shows the seals, trumpets, and bowls do not occur in a smooth, linear order. They overlap somewhat. The seven seals give us an overview of the tribulation. They tell us, as we covered last week, about the forces and events that will happen throughout the entire tribulation period, seven years. All right. Uh, the first four seals represent the Antichrist war, famine, and death. The first four horses of the apocalypse. We talked about that last week. The Antichrist will become more cruel the final 1260 days, the last three and a half years. Uh, war, famine, and death will also increase in the last part of the tribulation. And so keep all that in mind as we begin to look at the trumpets tonight as well. The fifth seal tells of the martyrs they will also increase in number in the last half of the tribulation. The sixth seal reveals what will happen at the end of the tribulation. Then the Lamb breaks, you call, recall, the seventh seal, and, and there is silence, Revelation 8.1 says, there is silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Well, the Lamb opens a scroll, and the scroll is about the tribulation. As the scroll opens, we hear the seven trumpets. These trumpets seem to occur in the final three and a half years of the tribulation. The sixth trumpet escorts us to the end of the seven years. The seventh trumpet, as I already said, then introduces or reveals the seven bowls. The seven bowls appear to overlap, though some of the trumpets. And so figure 8-3 on the back of your outline describes the eastern point of view. It gives us a possible picture of the seals, trumpets, and bowls in relation then to the seven years in tribulation. 
All right, remember the first three and a half years, more peaceful, and then the middle of that, last seven, uh, three and a half years, more difficult. And, uh, and so they, they overlap some. So here, here's my illustration. Imagine, if you will, three cars coming from different directions. Suddenly, they collide together in an intersection, and all three cars hit one person who is walking. Imagine being that person who is walking as the one being hit from three cars in three different directions at the same time. Likewise, in the tribulation, some of the judgments of the seals, trumpets, and bowls may hit people at the same time. Do you get that? All right. Uh, sometimes many problems arrive together. For example, the third seal of famine, the third trumpet announcing bitter water, and the first bowl ju of judgment of sores may exist on the earth at the same time. So from all different directions. That's what, that's what I'm trying to get across. And, and for me to understand that tells me, you know, I would rather be somewhere else than on planet earth when all hell breaks loose. Okay, that's my point, all right? And so thinking of the seals, trumpets, and bowls in a linear and holistic ways, I, I think will help you understand Revelation. Now, how many are totally confused? I hope not. Did that make sense to you? It did to me, but just because it does to me, it doesn't mean it makes sense to you or to those listening on the Internet right now. So let's look at then, with that in mind, let's look at the trumpets one through six, we're going to take some time to walk through this. I don't know how far I'll get, um, but I'm just going to walk you through. Uh, so basically the setting of this, after the vision of Revelation 7, the Lamb breaks the seventh seal. Suddenly, I said last week, all the music stops, the singing, the worship around the throne stops. Silence reigns for about a half an hour. In Revelation 4 through 6, all the attention was on the throne and the Lamb, but finally the seventh seal is broken. Now the Lamb can open the scroll. Recall the scroll had writing on both sides. John will have no more visions at the throne. Attention now shifts from heaven down to earth. As the scroll opens, we see the seven trumpets. On the back page of, of your sheet there, in, in figure chapter, uh, figure 8.1, uh, 8 8.5, you can see the description of all seven of the, the trumpets. And then also, you can see from, from the sidebar on, over on the uh, right side how this also kind of lines up with some of the judgments of God back in Exodus. Exodus 9, 7, 10, and so and we'll, we'll bring some of that out as we go through that. So uh, that all being said, um, figure 8 then, five, uh, 0.5, summarizes the plagues and the seven trumpets. It also refers to the similar plagues in Exodus. Now, the seven trumpets were given to the seven angels, meaning there were seven angels around the throne and they were given trumpets. These seven chief angels stand, it says, in the presence of God, Revelation chapter 8, verse 2. So what I'm going to do, first of all, as we've done from time to time, I'm going to read chapter 8 and chapter 9. It will bring us all the way through here to where we need to be at, so it's not that long. Uh, so going from uh, chapter 8, verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given, they were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came. So this is like the eighth angel. 
He came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. We'll talk about that. I love that. On the golden altar before the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel, this is the eighth angel, he took, he, he took, uh, took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth, and there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the, seventh, then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. Number one, the first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all, all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. I am restraining myself from commenting, all right, because of what I've studied. Number three, uh, verse 10, the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and, and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter, literally poisonous water. Uh, fourth, the fourth angel, verse 12, sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe! To the inhabitants of the earth, because the trumpet was a the trumpet blast about to be sounded sounded by the other three angels. In other words, whoa, whoa, whoa! More and severe devastations coming. Chapter nine: The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. All right, we live in Arizona, we know about scorpions. They were told, so they were just given limited power, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered uh, was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, check this out, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, there were something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. 
They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions, and had in their tails, and in their tails they had the power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them an angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek Apollyon. The first woe is past, two other woes are come. The woes from 8.13. Okay, uh, verse number 13. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year. So God's timing is perfect. God knows all things. Hour, day, time, day, month, and year was released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflict injury. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, and bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. That's a lot. All right? So, getting into then the seals. Um, keep in mind, as we begin this, the seven trumpets, as I said, were given to seven angels the chief angel stand before the presence of God, Revelation 8-2. We don't know their names. They're not given. Only two angels' names are given in Scripture, Michael and Gabriel. Were they part of the seven? I don't know. Likely, but don't know for sure. Another angel mixed incense with the prayers of the saints. The word saints here is the Greek word uh, hegias, and it means holy or holy ones. The word for holy occurs over 220 times in the New Testament. Uh, you are, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You are a holy one. All right. Hallelujah. We are called saints not because of our righteousness, righteousness, because of his righteousness, because of what he has done for us. In other words, we are holy only through the blood of the Lamb, through Christ and the choices that we make. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. Now, there's a notation here that I want to read to you. This is from the Complete Biblical Library Commentary. Not only does the heavenly temple have a throne and a sea or laver, it also has a golden altar of incense before the throne. It is a reminder that the earthly tabernacle was built according to the pattern that God showed Moses from Mount Sinai. 
as Hebrews 9, 3, and 4 recognizes, the holiest of all, that is, the inner sanctuary, had the golden censer, and even though in the tabernacle and the temple the golden altar of incense was in the holy place, it was the entrance to, uh, of the holiest of all that belonged to the holy of holies. We've been studying this in Sunday school. Hebrews also says, Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, Hebrews 9.24. Thus, what John saw in heaven is the reality of which the earthly tabernacle was just a type. Once again, a confirmation that God's word is true. John saw another angel, not one of the seven, who came at, at this point and stood at the altar holding a golden censer or, or fire pen. He was given much incense that he might offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar. The phrase, much incense, indicates a great number of prayers, probably the prayers of all the saints of all ages, primarily prayers that include the petition, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. It indicates that the judgments of God's wrath are necessary for the fulfillment of the hopes and desires of the saints for the fullness of their inheritance in Christ. As Daniel 2, 34, 35, and 44, and 45 prophesied, the present world order and all it is inherited from the past must be destroyed before Christ's kingdom can fill the earth. Well, Satan knows this. He also knows his time is short, and he is behind all the false religions, false cults, false ideas of toleration of sin, and the false New Age ideas. All of these are trying to destroy Christianity, but guess what? Jesus Christ is victor. Once again, your prayers matter to God. Your prayers might be, not be answered right now, but God stores them up, and they come before God's throne as a fragrance. And, and, and in time, in God's time, God says, okay, enough. It's time to act. We're going to talk about that. So keeping that in mind, I thought that was good there. Put that away. And so basically, um, the prayers, the angel poured the incense and prayers of the saints together onto the golden altar. Prayer, honestly, is one of the best sacrifices that we can ever offer to God. Smoke arose as the angel poured the incense and the prayers on, on the coals of the altar. Uh, also, notice the relationship of what happens between the prayers and what follows. The prayers went up to God's throne. God's on His throne. Revelation 4 and 5. God's on His throne. So your prayers went up, and, and as a result of your prayers going up, God then sent His angel into action. You see the connection? that your prayers have. The angel filled his golden censer with fire from the altar, and he threw the fire on the earth. The result was thunder, lightning, and an earthquake. Uh, sounds similar, honestly, to those that accompanied the giving of the law on Mount Sinai that you can read about in Exodus chapter 19. All right? Um, the prayers went up with the perfume, but they returned to earth as the wrath of God. All right? God will send justice to those who cry out to him day and night, the trumpets will sound because of the prayers of God's holy people. And so let's look at the first four trumpets in a group like the first four seals were in a group. First of all, the first trumpet affects the land. 
Number one, you can see that on your outline, also on the back of your page. Each of these four trumpets affects a different part of nature. In order, they affect the land, the sea, rivers, and the heavens. Trumpets often announce that God is about to act. And so the first trumpet in the Bible, you recall, announced that God was giving the law, Exodus 19. Scripture also says a trumpet will announce the return of the Lord in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The first four trumpets in Revelation announce judgments on nature. These are partial judgments. So, the first trumpet brings judgment on the land. Revelation 8, 7, the, angel, the first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Revelation 8, 7. So the first trumpet is aimed at the land. Now, we do not see the word people in this judgment. Still, like the famine of the third seal, this plague will affect people. Think about it. Crops are going to perish in this plague. Animals will die without grass to eat if all the green grass is going to be burned up. That's what it says. Uh, people depend on crops and animals. Think about the prices of food and lumber, how they will go up when the first trumpet sounds. Many people will lose their jobs when a third of the earth's trees and grasses are, are, are and all the grass are burned. The first trumpet will bring a huge change in the economy as well as weather patterns. You get rid of a third of the trees, it's going to change things. I know where we have our cabin. The, Rod the Rodeo Chetiskai Fire of 2002 has changed somewhat the climate in that area because of the devastation of all the trees being burned. That was 21 years ago, and it's not back to, it never will be back to normal in my lifetime. And, and really to get out into the forest, we have to drive the, the ATVs about three or four miles uh, south to get into the big trees because it has affected everything. Now, this winter has been one of the best winters because of all the snow in about 15 years, which is wonderful. But even looking at the maps, it seems like it always skirts Heber Overgard, but I can guarantee you Forest Lakes gets dumped on. And it's partly elevation too. That's, that's, that's higher, about 1,000 feet higher in elevation, but it's changed. So think about the change in weather patterns when these fires burn a third of the trees and so. Um, have you ever wondered how the media might report these things? Global warming. Global warming or not? Because we'll get into this. There will be what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say is global cooling. All right, and I'll, I'll show you why in coming up. But uh, notice the contrast, once again, of action. Hang on a sec. I got all that. The contrast of action in the, uh, in the first seal and the first trumpet. In the first seal, the writer went forward with the desire to conquer, Revelation 6-2. The seal does not tell us that one arrow was shot or one battle was fought. It gives us a general statement about conquering. All right, But there is great action taking place when the angel blows the first trumpet. A third of the earth's trees, all the green grasses are burned, and that's all before we move on to the second trumpet. So this contrast emphasizes the differences really between the seals and the trumpets. 
The seals tell us about future events that will happen after the scroll is opened, but the trumpets and the bowls describe actions and events that are happening once they're blown or, or, or poured out. Each blast of the trumpet brings an immediate judgment. So trumpet number one is going to affect agriculture, crops being destroyed, rising food prices, economic ruin for many. Trumpet number one. Let's move on to point B, the second trumpet, how it affects the sea. Revelation 8, 8 and 9. The angel, the second angel sounded his trumpet. Once again, just let me pause here. I didn't say this earlier, but the angels only sound the trumpets when God says sound the trumpets. They're given orders by God. So the second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, could this be an asteroid? We don't know. We're not told. It says something like a huge mountain all ablaze. Could it be a mass of rock and combustible gases that, that ignite when entering Earth's atmosphere? You know, that's, that's a probability. But consider how this second trumpet will affect Earth. The price of fish is going to soar sky high with a, a third of all the sea creatures dying. Think of the big whales being dead. Think of all the sea life, a third of all the sea life dying. The, think of the stench from all these sea creatures dying. I, I, dead fish stink. I'll tell you that. Dead fish stink, all right? The earth will stink from the dead fish and the sea creatures. Think of the number of people who will lose their jobs because of dead fish and ruined ships. A lot of people die when one airplane crashes. How many people will die when a third of the ships are destroyed? I got to thinking about that. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it might be a large number of people. I mean, think of how many cruise ships are out there. How many have been on a cruise? Cruise ships can handle a small city nowadays, 5,000 plus. Uh, I just read today, I was looking up how many cruise ships are there and what is the capacity. Cruise ships now hold thousands of people. How many cruise ships are there? A one-third of all ships being destroyed. Right now, 31.7 million passenger capacity was, was in 2022. 31.7 31 million people can, can cruise on cruise ships at a given time. That's, that's a huge number. Now, a third of that being destroyed. There's 10 million right there. If, you know, how do they sink? We don't know. Could, you know. could it be when this big massive mass like a mountain, whatever, comes down, asteroid, whatever, when this hits the water, could it be the waves, like a tsunami? I don't know. We're not told. But just think of, of, of what could happen here with this being, being, being uh, taking place. You know, what causes the ships to sink? You know, the mountain, the waves, we don't know. Um, do they, I don't know. So we don't know that. But also, notice the contrast in action between the second seal and the second trumpet. In the second seal, a rider on a red horse receives a sword. He is given power to remove peace from the earth. But we never see him swinging his sword. The evil of the second seal is future. But when the second trumpet sounds, the results are at once. There are bloody waters, dead fish, ruined ships before we reach the third trumpet. Once again, the seals describe future events. The trumpets describe present action. 
Thirdly, the third trumpet affects the rivers. Verses 10 and 11. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the, wa- a third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. Now, once again, will the trumpets affect the same places on earth, or will they affect different areas? Did the fiery mountain only affect the sea it fell into, or did the mountain uh, fall near the place where the star of the third trumpet fell? Will all the water in certain nations turn bitter, or will a third of all the rivers in every nation turn bitter? We don't know. The Bible doesn't give us those kind of answers. It may be that the star that fell covered all of the rivers in one area. Some stars, like the sun, are much bigger than the earth. Other stars are smaller. Science tells us that stars are made of gas. It will be a terrible day when the poisonous gas of a star turns a third of the earth's rivers bitter. Many people, probably millions, will die from poisonous water. We take you know, tap water for granted, you know. Uh, the name of the star is Wormwood. This is the name of a plant with bitter juice. In the Old Testament, Wormwood sometimes referred to the bitter results of sin. And it, and it tied in with judgment, the judgment of God. Again, notice the contrast between the third seal and the third trumpet. The third seal sets the guidelines for famine. All the famine is in the future. The writer is even told not to damage the oil and the wine. Revelation 6, verse 6. Talked about that last week. The seal lets us hear the instructions for the writer before the famine starts. But when the trumpet sounds, a great star falls, there are bitter waters and dead people before we reach the trumpet. The seals are about the future. The trumpets reveal sudden action. Think about this. People on earth should know by now that these judgments are not by chance or by accident, but are divine warnings. You would think, you would think, living on earth and seeing what is happening, because you know the media is going to be slanted in all this and give their demonic explanation or whatever, but you would think that people would cry out in repentance toward God, but the Antichrist has deceived them. More. The fourth trumpet. The fourth trumpet affects the heavens. We have looked at the judgments on land, the sea, and the rivers. Now we come to the judgment on the heavens above the earth. Revelation 8, 12. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Now, how does God do these judgments? Does he use an eclipse? Questions like these are are hard for us to to really know. Uh, Expecting human minds to understand God is like expecting to put the ocean in a teacup. Can't be done. In other words, we don't know how God made the day longer in Joshua 10, 12. If we could understand miracles, they wouldn't be miracles. All right? That's why I've always maintained to God there is no such thing as a miracle. All right? But, but how long? 
will this judgment last, you know? Uh, a few on earth will be asking what causes the darkness, but many will be looking for a coat. Why? Less sunshine is going to be colder. Thus, the cold, the cold uh, idea. Also, it's going to give people less hours to earn money. Uh, think about plant life. Plants are not going to grow very well with a third less of light. Again, on earth, weather patterns will be affected. Temperatures will decrease. Agriculture will continue to be affected. Plants not growing as they should. The fourth trumpet affects the heavens, but mankind will feel the effects on earth. Now, compare, the, like back in, in Egypt, God caused it to be dark for three days, Exodus chapter 10. But the Bible does not tell us how long this judgment will last. Um, the plague of the fourth bowl brings intense heat from the sun, but this does not assure us that the days will become longer again. The sun can shine hotter without shining longer. You have to realize that behind these judgments are the hand of an almighty God who can do things and doesn't need to explain how he does them. All right, I'm okay with that, all right, because we can't explain everything about God. Uh, therefore, people will not know how long the fourth trumpet judgment will last until the tribulation reveals it. Comparing the fourth seal with a fourth trumpet, in the fourth seal, death and Hades receive power to kill a fourth of the earth. The weapons of death and Hades will use the sword, famine, plagues, and wild beasts, it says in Revelation 6, 7, and 8. We do not see these weapons in action when the Lamb breaks the fourth seal. But we see death and Hades in action as the angels blow the trumpets. The seals are future, but the trumpets are immediate. So the question is, why does God send these judgments on the land, sea, rivers, and heaven? Because earth will lose much of its beauty in the tribulation. Black trees and grass are not pretty. I've been to burn scars. I've, I've been to re, you know, recent forest, forest fire areas, and it's not fun even to ride in. You know, the smell and everything else. Um, even, even in prescribed burns, it's, it's not, a, not a pretty picture. Black trees and grass are not pretty. Dead fish stink. Poisoned water kills. Darkness will cause fear and many problems. And so why does God send all these judgments? Here's the answer. God's trying to get the attention of people who live for earth and earth alone. He has given, a, he has given sinners a chance to repent. In other words, he wants to save those who live for earth and the things of earth. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, as I said last week with the seals, I say with the trumpets, the tribulation is God's final invitation for sinners to repent. It's his extreme mercy. And I have an insert here. But I'm going to pause because my time is over. Um, I want to read one more thing. Is what I posted last night. I just felt this burden in my heart as I was studying this, and it might get me or it might get Jill kicked off Facebook. But I had this burning in my heart, and I want to close with this. 
If you're a Facebook friend, you probably read this. I said, right now I am teaching in the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights. And tomorrow night, tonight, we begin to cover the seven trumpets. Just having finished looking at the seven seals on the scroll from Revelation 5 through 7. Personally, this has been and is an incredible Bible study for me. A few verses that really stood out to me, though, from this study is Revelation 9, 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Evidently, because of that, there was still opportunity to repent when these plagues came down on people. But the Bible states the survivors did not do so. What a sad commentary upon mankind that even the most horrible of judgments, divine judgments, does not cause sinners to repent. Like a foolish driver who ignores the warning signs that a bridge has collapsed and speeds headlessly on, people persist in the sinful habits which are sure to destroy them. God has done everything possible to cause men to turn to Him. He has sent faithful messengers to warn of impending doom. In one sense, even His judgments are His acts of extreme mercy. Efforts to dissuade people from continuing their downward course. He does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. His heart of love grieves over those who reject His call. Sin is a kind of insanity, for only the utterly foolish would persist in a course which will inevitably lead to eternal damnation. My conclusion on the matter, and this is really point, the last point on your outline. The judgments of the tribulation are coming. God has a schedule. He has planned the hour, day, month, and year of His judgments. Revelation 9.15 He tells us about these judgments before they come. Why? So we can avoid them. However, the judgments of the tribulation are much less than the eternal judgment they represent. God wants all to miss the judgments of the tribulation and eternal hell. Likewise, He wants all to receive the joys of holiness in heaven, but He leaves a choice with each person. How hard can the human heart become? Revelation 9.20 is a verse that causes us to cry and shake our heads in sadness. The rest of mankind still did not repent. They missed the invitation in the tribulation. The plagues made them harder instead of softer. The sinners became bitter instead of better. God has put many roadblocks on the way to hell. In other words, sinners must get past praying mothers and fathers. They must go around churches. They must ignore the testimonies of those who love Jesus. They must refuse to look up toward the one who sends every good gift. And they must refuse to repent when God allows them to taste the judgments of hell. For those who refuse, for those who refuse every effort that God makes to save them, only one thing remains. Those who smash through every roadblock will one day come to the lake of fire at the end of the road. Now is the day of salvation. That's what this is all about. God, once again, in His extreme mercy, is giving man time 
a chance to repent. But because of the deception of the enemy, because of the hardness of their hearts, they don't repent. Men seeking death and not finding it. Suicide. People trying to commit suicide, but failing miserably at it because death eludes them. Imagine the hell on earth that is coming. This is why people today need to hear what is being said in Revelation. Because people need to prepare and be ready. That's all I have to say. God bless you all. We'll pick this up with the trumpets uh, 5, 6, and then going on in chapters 10 and 11, maybe getting to two, two witnesses next week. We'll pause it right there. Uh, any, I'll just pause it, stop it. Any questions?